0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Conscious Conversation, brought to you by the Grown University Kids Technical Assistance Center North. Today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Lori Sullivan here to talk with us about tools for transition in times of stress. I'm Lori I'm Project Lead and Technical Assistance Specialist at the Grown University Kids TA Center North. And I'd like to introduce you to my colleague,
1: Stephanie Boyson. Hi, my name is Stephanie Boyson. I'm a senior technical assistant specialist with Growing Kids North. And we have the pleasure, like Lori said, of having Lori Sullivan on the call with us, another guest. Um, we're happy to have you, and please introduce yourself. Thank
2: you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm Lori Sullivan, I'm the assistant director for training and curriculum at the Center for Autism and Early Childhood Mental Health at Montclair State University, lots of words. Um, And I'm representing the CEFI initiative, socio-emotional formation initiative. So many of you have heard of CEFI, part of the CEFI team. So um, the CEFI team created this document called Tools for Transition, Trauma-Informed Tools for Transition. We created it, during the the COVID time, um, but we really f- think that it's meaningful for any times of transition and stress. So it, the things that we'll talk about are not specific to um, the pandemic that's going on now, certainly applies to it but we recognize and understand that there are other situations that are stressful and we need to make transitions. Um, And so, we developed this two-sided document that we'll go through um, with things that we can expect and then things that we can provide during times of transition, so during times of stress. Um, Trauma-informed practices are something that, you know, we all need to be informed about in our work with infants, toddlers, children, families. And if, if you look at the definition of trauma, it's an event, a large event that overwhelms us, something that's distressing and overwhelms us, overwhelms us emotionally, right? So trauma can be defined individually for people. So everyone's trauma is not the same, and um, when we think about the pandemic, we can recognize that all of us are going through the pandemic, right? We're all going through the same experience, but we all are going through it individually, right? So if you think about my experience during the pandemic, is not the same as Stephanie's or Lori's. Um, so we know that's true for all the children and families we work with, all of the staff we work with. So um, an interesting, Time because we're going through a common experience, but there are all individual variations of it. Um, So, the tools for transition, um, we made this infographic, which we think um, is easy um, to keep as a reference, you know, because it's it's double-sided, there's not a lot of words, not a lot of reading, it's something that we we hope that people will post, have, you know, you can pull it out quickly, think about it um, in your work. But we'll start, and we'll think um, um, about adults, right, because um, we want to um, honor and recognize how important adults and caregivers are in, in the work with infants, toddlers, and young children and their families. So we'll go through the document, um, Lori and Stephanie and I plan we'll go through the document, um, we'll talk about adults, then we'll talk about um, infants, toddlers, and young children. Um, So the first thing we know, and this is no surprise to anyone, right, is that we can expect a lot of uncertainty um, from the adults, from the caregivers, from the staff at centers, right? The the feeling of, I don't know what's going on. Um, I have so many questions, nothing's the same. We can expect those kinds of reactions. Um, And those are reactions that are stress-based, right? And we all um, handle stress different, differently, we all show stress differently. Um, So directors and supervisors um, who are supporting staff need to be aware that they can anticipate there will be stress reactions from from the adults, right? Um, And that we feel stress in our bodies, right? Um, So we may not, we may not be showing it any other way um, except through our bodies. So a staff member who's, you know, at a staff meeting maybe and is sitting with their arms crossed and very tense. That may be one person's sign of reaction. Somebody else may just continually break down in tears. You know, There's a lot of information coming at um, everyone working in this field right now, all of the new procedures, all of the new protocols, all of the health and safety requirements, and it's overwhelming for everyone, right? But overwhelming doesn't mean that it can't be handled. Right? Overwhelming is when um, I just can't take any more information in. So I think um, one thing we can be mindful of um, in caregivers is that um, we, they may need to handle things a little at a time, right? So we don't maybe hand a, you know, 100-page document to somebody and say, here are the new requirements, read them tonight, and tomorrow we'll start them, right? We're going to, we're going to try and break them down, which I'm sure people have been doing. So we're going to expect uncertainty. Um, in adults, we're going to expect um, reactions maybe that we've never seen. You know, maybe maybe the person who is always calm and uh, cool and collected now um, is breaking down and crying over everything. Um, so expect, good to know, we can expect different reactions. And that reactions may be big, we say, big feelings um, in the adults. So that that's a big one. Um, Then we say, during times of transition, when people are under stress, we can expect that they'll be seeking out safety, right? I need you. I need to know what's going on. Um, So for for directors and supervisors, supporting staff, um, what they can think about is the importance of, just like we'll say with young children, the importance of um, everyday familiar routines, that to think about are there routines and practices um, at their center at in their staff teams that they can continue that help me feel like okay this is this is how we do it here that may be important so you know if before um, the pandemic people had a monthly birthday celebration you know let's keep that in place and figure out how we can do it it may look a little different um but to think about what are those practices that um make everyone feel comfortable, Um, and that people may need, adults may need um, lots of reminders and lots of review about things in order to process the information and in order to to feel safe, right? So even though yesterday, Stephanie, if you were the director, and you told me, here's how we're going to handle the uh, pickup time for the parents, um, you told me yesterday, I may still have questions for, you know, several days because it's new and I'm trying to process it and I'm unsure and I'm nervous. Um, so I think that the best thing to remind everyone about is that idea that, um, again, we don't know unless we ask what everybody else's experience has been. Um, so. You know, it's really important to ask questions. Um, How was it going for you? What did you experience um, through this pandemic? Um, So we're going to expect people to um, seek safety, right? I I want to be close to people. I want to reconnect with the people um, that I was close with. So that's important to support them. Then we know, we said already, we can expect big feelings from everyone right? So um, not to be surprised that adults are going to have big feelings. Um, Maybe, you know, there are a lot of individual private worries um, that may be coming back to work with people. So just because the center's open and we're back to work doesn't mean that everything at home um, has settled down. For people who are not um, back, to work in person and are working at home. We know that um, there's a lot of stress just in that, so people who are managing homeschooling and um, managing to do their work um, remotely and then managing their household and managing the care and safety of their family members, all of these things um, can invoke big feelings in all of us, right, so I think it's, you know, we always say no feelings are wrong, Right? they're what you're feeling so we don't want to stop people from having feelings but we want to recognize them pay attention to them acknowledge them um, that's always important so those are the things we would talk about with um, adults now for children right if we if we start over again with the same list expect uncertainty right children may need lots and lots of reminders children may need lots of reassurance um, of how things are happening. Um, I think most people that I've been talking with have said that they feel that the kids are doing well um, and are, are adapting. Um, and um, we know that, you know, if, if children feel safe, if they see the adults around them projecting um, calmness and, um, and, and feeling uh, feelings of safety, then, then that will make it okay for children. Right. So we really want to focus on that. So um, important to tell children um, developmentally what's appropriate about things. You know, if children have uh, the preschoolers may have questions or talk about the what they know about the virus and ask some questions, you know, we we want to do things developmentally appropriate. Right. So we don't need to give them all the information we have, um, but we want to say reassuring things to them. You know, we might say, yes, some people are getting sick, but look here, everybody here is working real hard to be healthy and stay safe. We're wearing our masks. Do you see everybody with their masks on? Yes. Are you wearing a mask? Yes. Is Miss Laurie wearing a mask? Yes. Um, we're wearing our masks. We're washing our hands. We're keeping safe. Um, and, th- and that should be enough, right? So we have a phrase we use that, um, adult worries and uncertainty should live in the adult world, right? We're, we're the caregivers, we're the adults. We've got to handle this, and we have to make the children feel safe. Um, so we can expect, in children's uncertainty, lots of stress behaviors, right? And we know what stress behaviors look like in young children. They can be really anything, right, from a whole range of behaviors. So. Um, we can expect pretty much that children under stress may show regressions, right? So um, when we think about most of our centers were closed for, say, six months, six months in in the life of a two-year-old is a big difference than six months in the life of a 30-year-old, right? So it's a really long time. They they may have forgotten, you know, how things work. They may need um, lots of reminders. They may be anxious. You know, it's a whole re-entry, uh, a whole separation that's happening again. So I, you know, I kind of separated from you, and now I'm back with you. So we may see lots of challenging behaviors. We may see clinginess. We may see crying in children. We may see children who are more withdrawn. We may see children who are um, more wild and and um, energetic in their behaviors under stress. Um, We definitely may see and expect um, issues in toileting, feeding, eating, sleeping behaviors, right? That we always think about the activities of daily living when we're under stress. You know, that's typically one of the places that we show it. Um, Children may, you know, um, refuse refusal. We might see that. So I think we can expect. All behaviors and a range of behaviors, um, and individual children will express it differently. Um, So, then for young children, um, we're going to expect that they're going to be seeking safety, right? They're going to be seeking out reassurance. I'm okay, you're okay. Um, Most young children who have um, relationships, uh, attachment relationships with their caregivers, get that message if. you're okay. I'm okay. We're going to be okay, right? We, we talk about that idea of the invisible string, right? There's a, a wonderful children's book with that title, The Invisible String, but if you think about it, between a, a t- infant, toddler, young child, and their caregiver, um, so their caregiver or their parent, there's a, an emotional invisible string that connects us, right, um, and children often will look to the adults, to figure out how they should feel or respond to a situation. So, if I'm a young child and something happens or there's stress, I'm unsure about something, and I look to my caregiver and my caregiver is sobbing, um, that invisible string is going to share that emotion with me, right? And I may then feel those same feelings, right? So, we, we say I can stir up inducing somebody else what I'm feeling. And particularly, we know what happens in um, caregiving relationships, right? So children may need constant, you know, lots of reinsurances about, again, now they're separating again from mommy and daddy, from their family and coming back into program. Um, they mean, we may have, you know, challenges with the um, arrival and ending times, the pickup. Um, so, we can, we might see behaviors, you know, coming out, stress behaviors during those times. Um, they may need to be a little more clingy, right, want to be closer to you, want to make sure they know that you're watching them, that you're paying attention to them, um, that you see them, um, and in terms of expressing, children will express those big feelings we talked about also with adults. Um, so. The, I think the best thing that caregivers can do, parents can do, is to um, see, hear, and acknowledge those feelings, right? When when somebody's crying, it doesn't help if you say, oh, stop crying. What are you crying for? Um, what's, what's better and what's more helpful is to sometimes say, you know, um, would it help if I got you your blankie? Would it help if... We sat in the quiet area and I read you a story, right? Um, we used to be able to say, "Would it help if I give you a hug?" Um, that that may not be one of our choices now, um, but you can think of something else. You know, would it help if um, I uh, I played with you in the the block area? Do you need someone to be with you? Would it help if you were alone? Do you want to be left alone? So most of our centers do a great job. They have you know little cozy quiet areas that children can go to, but we should be expecting these big feelings and that children need to be able to have trust that they can express these big feelings with adults who are prepared to handle them, right, so as adults and caregivers, there is no emotion that a young child should show us that we can't tolerate, right, and handle, Um, and it's okay if they're feeling that, right, It's, it's okay. And we have to get that message across, um and once you know for we we say this with tantrums, right that um when a young child is having a tantrum, the best thing that we can do as caregivers or adults is to let them have it out, have their tantrum out, make sure they're safe, um try not to talk to them right because there's no language that's getting through to their brain when they're having a tantrum they're you know they're on um their brain is on red, on fire. They're not hearing language. They're not interpreting language. Um, But once there is a little quieting down period, once the child starts to calm down, then we can engage, right? Um, Then we can say those things like, okay, do you want to go get your juice now? Do you want to wash your hands? Um, So giving those choices. Um, So big feelings, I think are something that most of us in in early care and education um, handle very well every day. This isn't new for anybody that works with infants and toddlers and young children, but I think it's a good reminder um, that we might be seeing more of them
0: um, in children because of the multiple things that are transitioning.
1: Thank you so much, Lori, that very detailed description of this fantastic document um we had i know lori and i have a couple questions um in regards to the document. It's so detailed and it's um, a wonderful way to lay out what you were just talking about so in regards to adults when it comes i know you mentioned before there was uh a lot of people had said children are adapting it seems like a lot quicker than adults are
0: so mm-hmm.
1: we, you know how are we navigating uh, adult anxieties when children of that family are we think totally fine and calm and everything, but the parents or the guardians of families are are anxiety about what's going on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think for those of us that are supporting families and adults that are feeling this stress, I think um, it's important to make them aware of how children um, are watching and feeling what they're feeling and that it's not that um, a parent or a caregiver shouldn't express their emotion, but that they should be mindful of If they're feeling really overwhelmed, it's probably best to do that away from the child, right? So everyone is going to have a breakdown, and and there are going to be times when, you know, mom or a staff member is just in tears over something, Um, and so it's, we, we want to take that, remove ourselves maybe from the child at that moment, um, because it can be really um, scary and unsettling for a young child to see their caregiver overwhelmed with emotion, right? If, you know, most children can tolerate, oh, mommy is a little, crying a little, but if I'm really, you know, feeling out of, out of control of my emotion then I should separate myself. I should make sure that somebody else can take over, um, and I think just to remind, Parents and caregivers, how much children pay attention to us? You know, we say they know every look on your face, so, you know, little ones know that if they're, if they're trying something that they know their mom doesn't really like or their dad doesn't really like, they've memorized your face enough so that they know, oh, you know what, no, she's not really upset yet, because when she really gets upset, her eyebrow moves, right? Mm-hmm. And they do it another time because they check out your face and your face hasn't made that face yet. Um, So I think a reminder to all caregivers and adults, how much they they watch us, how much they pick up from us, and how much they share, can share the emotions that we're feeling. And and the idea that we pass emotions back and forth in caregiving relationships.
1: Um, And that um, invisible string analogy is so eye-opening. If you think about you know, what you project as an adult around children, you forget that, you know, they absorb and they, they feel what you feel. And just, just hearing that really, really made me think um, about a lot of the caregivers that we have out there and how, how uh, they're under stress and they're around children as, for a long periods of time. You know, the children at that age are going to feel what they feel.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's, you know, we're not going to, we are absolutely not denying any of us that people are going to feel stressed. Everybody's stressed, right? Right now, it's a time of great stress. It's a time of great individual stress. It's a time of great community stress. It's a a time of great, um, you know, national stress. There, there's a lot of stress coming at us. So, we're not denying that it's happening, but um, managing how we handle it and how we show it in front of young children is important. Um, And I think, you know, we use the phrase of um, looking at young children, infants, and adults, and what's going on with kind eyes, right? So, So, not being so quick to judge somebody who's going through a hard time or showing some stress, but try and, you know, try and practice that kindness, you know, and, and to understand that we're all going to, just like we would do with young children, they're going to slip up, they're going to make mistakes. If they pour their juice all over the table, we don't say, oh my God, you're a disaster, right? We we say, that's okay, everybody makes mistakes, here, let me help you, let's, let's all clean it up, right? The same thing with adults, um, they're going to make mistakes.
0: Um, and I think what, what you were saying, Lori, a little, uh, a little earlier um, was a real eye opener for me, because I'm talking with some my child care centers that, you know, some very well-intentioned parents who are wanting to do the best for their children, but are concerned about the children wearing a mask and child care programs finding that kids are fine with the masks; It's just something that they get used to. And when you described a teacher being able to very developmentally appropriate share with them, share with the child, you know, this is what we're doing to keep safe. We're wearing masks, we're washing our hands. So I'm thinking about how programs might be able to share that with parents, that although the parent may look at the mask differently, the child is looking at the mask as something that's helping protect them, keeping them safe, keeping their friends safe, their teachers safe, their families safe. So they're looking at it not as really an infringement on their freedom, but as a way to be part of the solution. Like, I'm a child, but I can do this.
2: It yeah. it it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we understand and we know that young children thrive on routine and regularity, right? So we know if we go into any uh, preschool room in our region, in the state, in our country, see a schedule, right? And I know when I was in the classroom, in a preschool classroom, um, the children eventually knew the schedule better than I did, right? They internalized it, and they would tell me, oh, it's, you know, it's time after snack we go outside. Um, And they, they just knew they couldn't read the clock, but they knew the order. And so, you know, if we, if we reinforce, um, these are part of our everyday routines. We're, we're putting on our masks, we're washing our hands, that's just what they'll do, right? Because mm-hmm. we'll, it'll be under that um, umbrella of this is what we do in the bluebird room. We mm-hmm. do this and, and they, they follow
0: it. Yeah. That's, that's a, a great reminder. And I, I love the way that you talked about the need for that with staff as well. That, you know, whatever the, the common practices were within the program, to be able to continue them it, to the greatest degree possible. You know, if there was always coffee available on Friday morning, there was always a birthday celebration. Um, I think one of the things that can be challenging is when a director is working with staff members who are processing and handling the stress of the pandemic in a very different way than they themselves do. So what kind of questions do you have for people who are trying to, you know, work with people who are who are dealing with the situation very differently and maybe in a way that that they're not really sure how to how to support this person whether yeah. their staff member their coworker, um a parent that they're working with yeah
2: yeah absolutely well i think the first thing is um to um be a good observer right that's important so what are you noticing about the person's um reaction um, and paying attention is important, you know, so uh, if there was a, a staff member who, you know, never spoke up before and kind of was quiet and just went about their work, and now all of a sudden they're exploding and saying, what? What are we doing? What are you talking about? I have to do that now? Um, you know, I, I hope that a, di- a good director, uh, a director who's tuned in is going to notice that, right? So we have to first notice things, um, and I think next is Take a step back, reflect, don't don't respond in the minute because if that person is blowing up and I'm right in there and saying, yeah, that's what we're doing, you better do that now, that's going to put up their guard, right? So I think we have to first notice, then reflect, think about it. Um, and, and think about what might be going on with that person. I wonder, you know, we use that phrase, I wondering, I wonder why she had that strong reaction. Is something going on with her personally? Did something happen before I saw that reaction, Um, and I think for, for directors, I think they just have to recognize and expect everyone will have a different reaction, right? Again, we started by saying this is a common experience that is being experienced individually different for each of us, right? And Indiv- if we, we always talk about individual differences in early care and education, so how can I meet individual differences for young children? How can I meet individual differences in adults, um, would be something to think about, um, and I think for, Anyone who's you know who's f- facing this with people having all different reactions, they have to pay attention to themselves and they mm-hmm. have to, okay first. Um, and you know, uh, Caitlin, Dr. Caitlin Mulcahy uh, at our center, she gave us four um, four key phrases um, during this pandemic that we've been sharing with other people. So the first is thinking about taking big breaths, right? So everyone needs to. Think about their breathing. Maybe take that moment before you're responding when you see a big reaction from somebody else. Um, the other thing we need to do, no surprise, is patience, right? I have to have patience with you. I have to have patience with myself. I have to have patience with the children and the staff members. Um, and then I have to give myself permission, give permission to people to, to have these big reactions. There's a lot going on, right? Um, I have to give myself permission as the director. I'm not always going to know the right answer. I'm not always maybe going to do the right thing. And then the last practice is forgiveness, right? Forgive myself when I slip up, forgive myself when I don't have the right um, response, forgive the children, forgive forgive my coworkers. Um, so I think we have to practice, you know, even more so now, we have to practice these kind of mindful techniques. Um, and the breathing, you know, there's a lot of information out there for some um, calming breathing techniques you can use for young children. I've seen people who do the, um, they, they sit quietly with the children when they want them to calm down, and they talk about pizza breath, and so they say, pretend you have a piece of pizza in your hand right now. Okay, take a, take a smell of it, breathe in. So all the kids they smell, and that smells good. Okay, oh, but the pizza's really hot. Have to breathe out and, and make the pizza cooler, so they can you know do practices like that. So calming techniques are are more important right now, and and we know self care like you said, Lori, about if we did something as a group at our center before, let's let's make sure it's still happening. Um, but practicing those. Uh, mindfulness and kindness techniques, I think, are, are all we can do. And to recognize that everybody is not going to have the same reaction, right? Um, I've been through a different experience. You've been through a different
0: experience. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, where you are describing the, um the kindness aspect of it. And, you know, that, that I think it's really, really and, and you then- know,
2: for Oh, I was going to say for directors and supervisors, Lori, to think of that invisible string for them,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. to the staff and to the the families and eventually to the children, that parallel process. So if the director is, you know, overwhelmed and stressed and is going from room to room and spreading that, that's going to affect everybody, right? So they have to be conscious, just like a parent or caregiver um, has to be of how they're Reflecting out their emotion and their experience to everyone else, right? So they're they're the parent, the big parent at the
0: center. Yeah, I think that that analogy is great. Um, and then you talked about the need to ask questions, and I'm thinking uh, a stressed out teacher who's just learned the new procedures and now she's feeling incompetent because she can't remember the procedures. And that whole idea of giving grace and forgiveness and, and um i know an administrator who says you know we're in this together and i know that it's hard to remember all these things and we're all doing the best that we can and that's all that we can do and we're here to help each other to continue to provide that supportive environment where're asking questions is okay and it's okay to admit that you don't remember how to handle this, or you're not sure if you did the right thing, and just the idea of the forgiveness and grace of you know, we're all doing something no one ever expected in their lives to need to do. And, um, and it is a very challenging experience, but we're yeah. getting getting through it together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that idea of um partnering up. So, you know, a director who sees someone struggling. And either get someone to help them or helps them themselves is is going to make a big difference to someone, right? That I'm helping you, and you know it, we have to make it okay in our field to need and ask for help. That's another thing that we have to stress. So um, I remember, you know, when I was uh, newly graduated as a teacher, that I thought I had to know how to do everything because I was the teacher, right? And I, I of felt comfortable going to my supervisor, my principal, my director, and saying, I don't really know what I'm doing, right, because I was supposed to know. Um, now, I, I think we want to promote more the idea that asking for help is okay, because we are all in this together, and we are a program that works together for a common goal. So if, if Lori doesn't know how to do something, and she asks Stephanie, and Stephanie can help her with that, great, that makes us all better right? Mm -hmm. So, we shouldn't shouldn't be concerned about admitting we need help with something. We don't, there's no way we need to know everything. We can't know everything, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has individual strengths and talents. You know, Mm -hmm. there might be be somebody um, who loves to organize things, and and that's their thing, and so they're going to organize all the supplies coming in, and and everybody else doesn't have to worry about that, and maybe, you know, your thing is, um, you're very... And so you're gonna you know decorate the the entryway or something. Um, but let's look at what are people's individual strengths and try and um, tie into that or ask them to use their strengths instead of focusing on what we can't do, right? Like oh
1: yeah I, Lori I discussed last time last podcast about the two types of caregivers right now or the staff members we have in, in uh, our centers. And one is you know staff that are returning from the previous year, and then you have staff that are newly hired that have never worked in a child care center before. So now you have staff that understand, or at least will try to understand the regulations from last year, the differences, and then you have the new, the new people who are coming on board and this is all they know. So we were trying to see, you know, trying to give some advice about how to deal with those two types of, of staff members. And um, what would you say to a, to a director that has those two Kind of staff members plus to the big feelings, big worries, big anxieties um, on, a, on a daily basis.
2: I would say have lots of chocolate, first of yeah. all,
1: <laughs> whatever
2: you need. No, I think just to recognize and acknowledge what you're saying, Stephanie, that it, it um, we have that happening, and there are people who are going to be thinking, oh, well, this is the way we've always done it, and we're going to have other people saying, what am I supposed to do? How do I do that? Um, And I I think, you know, above all, we have to keep calm, and we have to think, why are we here, right? So keep going back to why am I here? We're here to provide a safe, nurturing, um, enriching environment for children. and to support relationships. Um, so, you know, maybe they have to partner those staff up, you know, so uh, a person yeah. who's there will mentor the, the newer person. Um, but to, to, you know, recognize that the new people might bring um, new strengths and, and new um, gifts to the program, you know, that we haven't had. So just because I'm new doesn't mean I can't embrace this and, and I can't be um, competent in this situation.
1: Yeah. And we also talked about checking in, making time with them just to say, hey, are you all right? Are you okay? Because I like what you said about the private private worries. I think we understand that a lot of us have our own anxieties and our own um, situations going out home in our personal lives as well as professional lives. So Lauren and I discussed maybe on a weekly basis, um, having directors even put it in their calendar, check in on on Lori today, checking on Stacy today, checking on so and so, making an effort to be mindful of everyone's. Just hey, are you okay? You know, just just a, a daily check-in with staff members, um, and so they know that you care, number one, and also that you understand that checking in with them is important to you.
2: Absolutely, I love that, and and the idea of paying attention is so important, and and not to just. Checking in, yes, absolutely, they should be checking in, but the other part of checking in is noticing. So, noticing the little things and remembering to say, hey, thanks so much for doing that yesterday, or um, that was really great when I saw you uh, talking to that little guy who was having a tough time, you know, during snack. Um, so, you know, to be visible and and to move around the center is so important. It, you know, it's it shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be an uh-oh moment when the director right. comes into the room, right? Um, that the, the staff feels, uh-oh, what's going on? There must be something wrong. She's coming in, right? It, and in most in most of our high-quality centers, you know, that's not happening. The director should be, you know, around and the supervisor should be part of um, the everyday experience. So, yeah, checking in, noticing, acknowledging, thanking. You know, we have to go back to all those um, good uh, things that we learned in kindergarten right as
0: we say i think lori i loved the way you described the um we're needing to continue the high quality practice, the mm-hmm. safe and the nurturing and the enriching so although we change things up a little bit or a lot in fact we're still providing the highest quality practices. and so although we may not be able to read each child's little hub right now um, we still recognize that when kids need, need hugs, we need to give them, even during a pandemic. You know, we're not going to change our practices so that we're not providing care, comfort, and nurture to the children. And I was thinking about how that's similar to what you've been talking about with directors relationships with the staff. You know, although now, according to the licensing, uh, you know, and the, the new safety guidelines, Directors aren't um, able to enter, you know, into classrooms as freely as they did in the past. They will be, as you said, paying attention and observing. And if it's a staff member who is needing some extra support, then maybe that is like that, that one child who's needing a hug. You know, that director is noticing that that staff member needs her, needs that director to go in and revisit the procedure um to support the teacher to provide the safe nurturing environment for the teacher so that the teacher can feel comfortable in continuing to provide all this good for the kids. Yeah. i keep hearing you know licensing saying do the best you can so it's not as if it's a an iron gate the director can't cross but the director needs to be very intentional when she does need to process it. it needs to be for a very good reason and i think supporting staff is the very best of reasons
2: yeah absolutely so you can you can check in without physically being in the room we know that right and, and acknowledge things and i i think the idea of um being present you can be present in lots of different ways right um is so important and and, and acknowledging you know i think also we have to acknowledge and, and in some ways celebrate look what we're doing no one is like you. someone said before no one's ever done this before no one has ever, you know, been through a pandemic and and opened and uh, childcare centers before and provided high quality, you know, nurturing care. Um, so we're, while we're challenged, we're also challenged in in the way that we're we're doing some really good work, and and we have to acknowledge that.
0: Right. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely absolutely true. And and Lori um your organization has provided so much value to the early childhood community in so many ways um i'd love to talk about some of the different things that you've done and i know i've been on conferences with national folks and when they hear about what is doing what Montclair is doing um and what you've done and, and how i think you really ahead of the curve with the pandemic, because of all the work you did as a result of Superstorm Sandy. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what kind of things you've been, you know, doing to assist early childhood programs during the pandemic? And maybe um, tell us what your future plans are, because I know you've got some exciting initiatives coming down Mm -hmm. the pike.
2: Yeah, so thank you so much, Lori and Stephanie. Um, and, you know, we're, we're honored to be part of the Grow New Jersey Care System and, and to partner with you um, and, and the, the work that you're all doing out there. Um, so, yes, um, the cephi Initiative grew out of work that was funded by the state after Superstorm Sandy. And originally, we um, developed and started to offer in the state the Keeping Babies and Children in Mind um, Infant and Early Childhood Mental Health Workshops throughout the state. So those are a series of seven workshops that um, target uh, topics on infant and early childhood development um, that have been happening now um, for Six years, five, six years now. Um, so we've had thousands of professionals throughout the state um, take the Keeping Babies and Children in Mind series. I'm very proud of that. Um, and now through the pandemic, we shifted it to be online. So Keeping Babies and Children in Mind was offered all through the spring and the summer, um, just in an online format. And I'm excited to be announcing that we've worked on revisions and we've updated. Um, the series, and so starting in October, um, we will be offering a newly revised and updated curriculum. Um, so we're excited about that. Also, the same format: seven um, seven individual workshops that can be taken as the whole series or individually. Um, so they'll be rolling out online. Um, I think we've already sent out some announcements about dates. So that that's something we're really excited about. Has a new look. Um, has some um, new um, new videos. Um, the content has mostly remained the same, but we've updated anything um, that uh, needed to be refreshed or updated, so excited about that. And then um, through the, the pandemic, um, we were still able to offer um, CEFI support to centers as needed, so um, technical assistance around social-emotional needs of um, children or staff members, so we've still been able to connect virtually with centers. So you know we work with um, the the people um, from your your group um, who make referrals to us, um, and so we've worked with centers that way. And then we also offered um, through the spring and the summer. We'll be continuing now in the fall something called the three C's. That um, the title is Conversations for. Connection and Calm. And those were online groups um, where we offered a facilitator to do some reflective practice work with um, providers around um, the stress that everyone's been going through. Um, and those were um, online, uh, an hour session where we met with the same group of people. So a small group of people um, and people from all over the state, you know, could be in a group because we were online. Um, and we talked about people's experience and shared some of the things that we've talked about. Well, what can you do to to uh, take care of yourself? What can you do to be calm? So it was a, a safe place for people to share and express um, some of what they were going through. And and those met for um, six weeks, so six uh, six sessions. And then um, we offered them. We started in the spring, right after uh, everyone was. Uh, at home and kept them going through the spring and then we offered them in the summer and they'll be starting up soon. Um, so we're excited about those.
1: Awesome. Um, just to back to the um, relationship with children. I know you were talking about Hurricane Sandy and, um, and during this time too. Do you, do you see kind of similarities between um, appropriate behaviors of what's manifested outside of, of those? Huge things we had in our area. Um, I know when it comes to infants and toddlers and preschoolers, there's different uh, you know, behaviors that occur because of stressful situations. Can you kind of dive into some of the big um I don't say the most popular, but the most common behaviors that we see in children in classrooms because of these huge life changes and crises? Yeah
2: sure sure so i think um you know probably top of the list would be those changes um in the um daily living skills so the feeding the sleeping um the toileting and maybe regressions in those areas and and that would be for all ages um across the board um and then i think just those things that we said changes in the way they respond um so children who typically would um you know be happy and cheerful, maybe now are um, more clingy and um, whiny and crying. Um, children who maybe were quieter, maybe now are more revved up and are louder and more energetic.
0: Um,
2: so I think you need first of all, you need to know the children, which we know in caregiving relationships, so you'll know side of the range of their typical responses. Um, the things that kind of make you take a step back and think, hmm. That didn't seem um like little Bobby's you know typical reaction, um so knowing the child um and then um looking at the range of emotions that you might see displayed or behaviors, but really, uh, I guess we could say what kind of behaviors would what would we see under stress anything you know really right. anything. so and, and not you know there there could be some positive things happening too, you know it's but yeah. more are the the things that um, we define as challenging, right, that bother us as adults.
1: And I also think it's important to remember that these behaviors aren't, aren't always because of something that they're diagnosed with or they could be diagnosed with. It, it, it truly could just be from a traumatic experience or stress or something as simple as things going on at home or maybe they're moving to a new house, you know, differentiating between uh, a developmental issue and then a, a traumatic, stressful manifestation
2: absolutely it could be i didn't sleep well last night or i'm hungry um i mm-hmm. you know, can't find my favorite uh fire truck that i want to play with yeah yeah absolutely
1: yeah. and what do you think is um trauma i think a lot of people think of very explosive negative you know really terrible things happens but trauma is on a spectrum correct i feel mm-hmm. like it's as simple as losing their lovey, you know, or losing a blanket they have, all witnessing domestic violence or things like that. So there is a spectrum of trauma that is out there, correct?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And again, we think of um, uh, something that's deeply distressing and overwhelms my emotions and Mm. my symptoms, right? So depending on your developmental age, um, that could be different you know, something that may um, overwhelm all of my systems and my emotions as a six-month-old is going to be different than probably as a 25-year-old, right, hopefully. it's um, individually based. Um, depends on, um, you know, what what else is going on in your life. You know, is, is this a one-time event? Is this something that is added on top of other stressors? You know, we know that there can be a buildup of um, Traumatic events, and and then that compounds, you know, the the way I experience it and, and um, stress.
0: I I liked what you had said earlier, Lori, where you t- said um, overwhelming doesn't mean that we can't handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the case of a child, that child may need the support of a caring adult to be able to handle it, or an adult may need. You know, or of another caring adult to be able to handle it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. And I, you know, the idea that you can gain the skills that you need in a supportive environment to be able, you know, to get beyond this situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also important to label it, right? So to to say, um, name what children are feeling because lots of times um, very children might not connect what they're feeling in their body to the words that we're using, you know. Um so wanna label it and then um we say, you know, if I if I name it, I can tame it. Right. If I know what I'm dealing with, then I can figure out how to handle it. Right. So that's important.
0: So could you give an example of how a teacher could help a child with
2: that taming? Yeah, sure. So um I guess, for instance, if if a child is just really, um, you know, crying off the side, and I'm not really sure what happened. I didn't see anything happen. Maybe before I noticed he was crying. I, I think we can. Um, the teacher might, you know, go over and um, get down on their level and, and say to him, "Oh, um, I see you're crying. Um, are you sad? Are you mad? It's, it's, can you can you tell me what happened?" and see if they can answer those questions and and, um, hopefully they may be able to respond to them. Um, And and I think going going with the idea of saying, would it help if, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that gives them, give them a few choices. Would it help if you just stay right here by yourself? Mm -hmm. Would it help if I go get a teddy bear and ask him to come over and help us? You know, Mm -hmm. help if your friend came over? and I, I think if we can offer a few choices that we think they might say yes to, is important, you know. Um, might not be the time to say, you know, do you want to go in the bathroom and and, and wash your hands? Because that might be a no right now. Yes. Yeah.
0: I think just the idea that the teacher is recognizing and acknowledging mm-hmm. and to help the child figure out what, you know, what they're feeling and what's going on. I, I love the idea of, you know, asking them questions and giving them those words. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And I think you give a few choices and, and if they say no, then you say, Okay, you know what? I'm gonna leave you here, I'm gonna leave you, but I'm gonna be right over there and I'm gonna go back and check in with you. And then you do that, right. So if they you leave them alone, they're not able to respond, you're watching them, you know, we always are watching and and Checking on then you come back and check in
1: yeah, and in the case of uh, information overload, too, you know we have a lot of families who feel very comfortable sharing what's going on. I think uh, over truthful maybe sometimes, um, I know certain uh, new staff members may find it hard to navigate how to discuss what's going on with children that know too much, um, and I think it, it's hard to you know, you can't control what's happening at home. You can only control what's happening inside your classroom. So, um, of a director talking to an adult and then an adult talking to a child, you want to be mindful of what you're saying and how you're saying it. Because you can't necessarily always control what parents or grandparents or family is saying to children, so you have to even be, would you recommend just being consistent uh, across the board for all children of obviously appropriate group?
2: Yeah, absolutely, I think so. I think, you know, we, um, to be mindful as adults that we don't have to go into detail about things, um, and if so if a child is telling you what they understand, that, you know, grandma told me, she saw in the news that this bad thing is happening, um, we don't always have to um, get into that discussion with the child. We, we might say, oh, so, you know, you spent time with your grandma? you know, and then I'm not giving into that information, um, try and maybe skip the conversation, right? Or stick to the facts. Yes, you know, yes, Grandma told you some people are getting sick, but again, um, we're all safe here and we're all healthy. And, and can you tell me some of the things that we're doing to be healthy? Um, you know, those kind of things. And as much as we can point out who's helping and who's doing what we're, you know, the healthful things are,
1: that's what we want to do. That's a great idea to redirect the conversation. to Oh, you saw your grandma this weekend? Or where does she live? Or you have other questions that go with you? Or, you know, I really think that's a great idea. Yeah, because I think sometimes,
2: and rightfully as adults, we get anxious about, oh my God, you know, inside your head, you think, oh my God, where am I going to go with this? What am I going to say to him? Um, And he may not necessarily be asking any questions. He may just be repeating back what they heard or looking for a response from you. So if you keep calm, you know, and you don't, you don't say, "Oh my God, what did she said?" What? What did she tell you? They're gonna to respond to that, but yeah, if you keep it, keep it even, keep it steady, and and you know, steer
1: it a little around that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I know we talked before too about stress behaviors for children, and I and when it comes to children, I I find that. Giving adults and it, similar to children multiple step processes to do something. Sometimes during a stressful situation, they don't think like they forget a certain step, it's, especially in adults. I know for myself, that's kind of how I am. Um, I like doing things one at a time. So, in this case, you know, having new staff members or staff members that are returning that have these kind of big responsibilities now in, in multiple step processes is. is it's tough and dealing with children that have the same kind of stress issues but not seeing the similarity between the two situations it'd be difficult
2: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and again we we all um do different things when we're under stress right And, and to acknowledge that i mean i was doing something simple this weekend where i was trying to put some uh follow some directions and put batteries into something and it wasn't working and i was i kept redoing it and doing it it wouldn't work i couldn't get these batteries i changed the batteries right and i found myself and i was doing this by myself there wasn't anybody else with me but i had to read the directions out loud to myself right under stress i had to read it out loud like open the back of the item place two double a batteries in you know and now yeah. I'm laughing about it like why did i have to read it out loud i was the only one here but under stress, I needed to hear the directions, I guess, to help me process them, you know? That's so true. It, it kind of reminded me of um, before we had GPS in our cars and um, we to maybe um, print out directions, right, from MapQuest or something. And if you're following the directions, I remember um, somebody said once that if they can't, if they're driving in their car following directions and the radio's on and, and they can't figure where to go they have to turn off the radio right to focus on the direction so it's like too much overload
1: that's so true i actually do that even with gps now i still i still turn the music down to remind myself to make certain turns that's that's very yeah yeah that's great um well truly Lori and i truly appreciate you coming on board and um we're so knowledgeable, and the work that you guys do over at Cephia and Montclair is just, um, well, it's not immeasurable. It's, it's nice to you know we are measuring it nowadays. Um, but we really appreciate your knowledge and um, your detailed description of that document um, and just you being present with us. It's been really great.
2: Thank you. Well, my pleasure. And there's nothing that I would like to do better than talk to people like you who uh, are doing the same work, right? Um, you know, we we value our relationship with uh, the the um, group that you work with, and um, you know, we've been together from the beginning with Cephi. We've worked with all of the um, technical assistance specialists out of your office from the very from when your your um, project started up, um, and so we really value our relationships with all of you too. So thank you. thank you.
0: I, I think that the programs that get a chance to listen to this are going to be able to take away some really valuable information that they are going to be able to use immediately to support children and adults in the program so thank you you absolutely
2: great thanks for having me
1: and we'll make sure to send out the document for transition it's in english and in spanish so we'll make sure to send that out with the podcast recording and we truly hope that you'll join us next time for another topic for our conscious conversations. So again, Lori Calvin, thank you so much for joining us. Okay.
0: Thank you.